0: Glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning is indeed from St. Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Matthew records, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, a paradox is a statement that seems to contradict itself, and yet... It may be true. The Bible is full of paradoxes. For example, the Son of God is Lord of all, and yet he comes to be our servant. Another, we are by nature sinful, and we therefore lead sinful lives, and yet God declares us holy. For Jesus sake. And the third, we are born enemies. We are born enemies of God and yet God adopts us into his family. And today's gospel has a paradox in it. John expressed this paradox when Jesus came for baptism. He said, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Now, the baptism that John baptized with was with water for repentance. And the first step of repentance is to acknowledge your sin. But Jesus is the one and only human being being one who led a life without sin, a sinless life. In fact, John knew this, and he knew that he himself was a sinner who needed to repent. And John was bewildered by the idea that he, a sinner, would pour the waters of repentance over the head of the only person who knew no sin It didn't make any sense. It was a paradox. Now the Apostle Paul explained this paradox in a, well, with another paradox. In 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21, Paul writes, "...for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin." So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And even though Jesus never sinned, God made him to be sin. How can this be? We struggle with paradoxes of the Bible because of the limitations of of our broken humanity. When God came to the end of the sixth day of creation, we read in Genesis 1, verse 31, He saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And this included Adam and Eve, the human beings that he had created. And sadly, we read in chapter 3 that That goodness only lasted a short while, and Adam and Eve sinned, and and they broke. They broke the universe. They were no longer very good. They were corrupted, and they passed that corruption on to their children. And the universe and mankind have been corrupted ever since that day. And that corruption, that corruption from the original sin limits our ability to think. It limits our ability to imagine. And the epistle reading that we recently heard, it illustrates the limits of that corruption. By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul had just made an elegant case that salvation is entirely God's work, that we can contribute nothing to our own salvation. And Paul taught that God's grace increases to cover all of our sins. Our sinful corruption immediately demonstrates its limits by asking, should we not sin all the more so that God's grace can continue to increase? And this question can take many forms. You may have heard them. So, if God forgives all my sins, I can sin as much as I want. Right? (laughs) I see some heads going. (laughs) Amen. Or, why should people be good if everything is forgiven? Fair question. These questions assume one thing, though, and and, and that's something that our limited, corrupted thinking doesn't notice. They assume that humans believe that there is a benefit to sin, that somehow sin is a desirable thing. And these questions assume that mankind is, by nature, sinful and unclean. And these questions also assume that the only way to get people to behave is by force. The only way we can get people to behave is by force. That means reward for good behavior and punishment for bad behavior. It is our corrupt, our sin-filled nature that is unable to see the reason for good works other than reward, and punishment. And the Holy Spirit inspired Paul. And Paul anticipated this kind of thinking when he wrote this in today's epistle. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Well, because Jesus Christ has earned our salvation with his suffering and death because that salvation has been delivered to us by the Holy Spirit, delivered to us by the Holy Spirit through water and word. We are dead to sin. Now listen carefully. This this part's kind of confusing. We are free from sin. Sin is no longer our master. Jesus Christ has redeemed our corrupted thinking so that we can now understand that there is no benefit to sin. Christ's salvation has freed us from our desire to sin and we now have a desire to do good instead. And that is the reason, this is the important part, that is the reason that we are so frustrated with the sin that still shows up in our lives. It is through our baptism, it is through our baptism that we hear feel, understand these words. And I heard these words so many times growing up under my mother and father. You know better than that. It's through our baptism that we understand sin. Now Paul then takes us back to today's gospel. Through baptism, we are joined with Christ. We are joined to Christ. It's his life is for us his death is for us his resurrection is for us and jesus came to john to be baptized for us now there are several words in the original greek that can be translated as forgiveness and and one of these words contains the idea of lifting something up, carrying it away and putting it down, putting it aside. And when Jesus was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary, the Father lifted the crushing burden of sin away from you and from me and laid it on him. Let me ask you this this. Is there, um, is there gospel in the Old Testament? Is there gospel messages in the, yeah, of course there is. You betcha. The, the great gospel writer in the Old Testament, Isaiah, the prophet, he said it this way. In Isaiah 53, 4 through 6, pure gospel right here. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So the paradox of Christ's baptism, it's solved. He came to the Jordan as the greatest sinner of all. Not because he had ever sinned, But because he carried the sins of the world, the Father made him to be sin who knew no sin. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And in his baptism, Jesus stands with us in our baptism. And the Holy Spirit joins us together. Repentance. Repentance recognizes the terror of sin. And although Jesus never sinned, he did carry away the sin of the world. And even though the sin was not his, he still endured the terror of its punishment. And he carried your sin all the way to the cross. And there he faced its terror. And he cried out, My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And he hung there between you and the almighty wrath of God's justice. And he took the blows of your sin into himself. And he satisfied the perfect, eternal justice of God for you and for me. Now, the Holy Spirit, again, inspired Paul to write this. Paul writes, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Jesus has carried your old sinful nature, kicking and screaming, to the cross. And Jesus carried that old sinful nature into death, and he left it there. He left it there when he rose from the dead. And therefore, you are no longer slaves to that sin. And then God responded to the baptism of Jesus with a great epiphany. For a brief moment, all three persons of the triune God reveal themselves as the team that they are. God the Son stepped out of the water. God the Holy Spirit descended in visible form like a dove and God the Father he spoke from heaven saying this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased and here we see the unity of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in making salvation a reality The baptism of Jesus in the Jordan publicly demonstrates that Jesus identifies with sinners. He has come to take the people's place. He has already carried the sin of the world from his conception. But his work was private at this time. And with his baptism in the Jordan, his work of salvation is made public. The epiphany of the Father and the Spirit proclaim his mission to the world. That is this, that Jesus is the innocent sin-bearer who will take away your sins. Now according to the early church, the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan is the official beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And it's during the process that the early church used to replace Jesus. This is when Peter said in Acts 1, 21 through 22, One of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. The baptism of Jesus in the Jordan points us forward to all the work that Jesus did for us. His perfect life, his suffering, and his death, and his resurrection. His ascension, and also the work that he still does among us as our risen and ascended Lord. It points us. It points us forward to our own baptism as a means for the Holy Spirit to deliver salvation to us. And it is in solidarity that Jesus in the water is one of us For the children of God, all of you know this to be true. That is, he suffers with us. He died for us. He begins healing the corruption that limits us. He begins healing the corruption that hides the truth from us. And he shows us that he is the sinner's friend and Savior. And you all know this, that he makes me, he makes you his own, that we may live with him forever. In the name of Jesus, amen.